What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bassam Hanna podcast. Today, I am very fortunate to have a longtime friend and a fellow successful entrepreneur, Fadi Campbell, join me. Fadi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Um, so to get started, maybe I will have you introduce yourself to the audience, tell them a little bit about um, what you do. Uh, and then we'll get right into it. For sure. That sounds good. So yeah, like Bessim said, I'm Fatty Kamal. I'm an insurance broker. Uh, currently with Hub International. I'm sure we'll get into that a little more. But I specialize in cannabis insurance. So we insure LPs, um, you know, retailers, consultants, you name it. Um, and it's interesting that I'm here because Bessim helped me get into the cannabis insurance space. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll dive into that. But yeah, I've been in insurance for 12 years or so. The last six of them specifically in cannabis and commercial. So we ensure, you know, any type of commercial business. Um, I think the fun part for me for obviously is cannabis. Uh, that's the one that I, I enjoy and, and kind of got me to, uh, you know, to keep pushing in that field and, and in insurance. Right? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, you said I'm the one who got you into cannabis insurance. I would say it's the other way around. Without you, I wouldn't have had an LT because no one insured cannabis people back then and you took a massive flyer on me <laughs> so i appreciate that uh fetty is like a big part of it like you know the little things behind the scenes that you need to do to make a business successful uh like without getting insurance you can't operate a business and at the time when we were starting our cannabis business no one insured cannabis cannabis insurance didn't exist and i think i'm I, I can't say this for sure, but I would argue that you were the first, if not one of the first uh, people, brokers to insure cannabis clients in Canada. Yeah, definitely. There, there was probably a handful of them. So I was one of the handful. Yeah. Um, there was something in place for medical before that. Sure. But again, how many medical LPs were there when you guys came out, right? Like a handful, yeah. right? Like yeah. that. So um, so yeah, I was part of that first wave, which which was exciting. And one of the reasons why it allowed me again to kind of you know grow with you guys so i think the cool part was watching you know a company like yours yours from the beginning literally from like a dirt floor yeah um build up and like all the needs that uh, different types of insurance and stuff that you guys needed we had to navigate that together uh, and that really helped me with any other company that was starting it's like yeah i've already done that with a much larger organization for sure um okay let's rewind it back uh to the very beginning like uh so because i have such a long history with you uh i want to take it back to like high school like when i know just for context uh fanny and i grew up in the same church uh and i've known we've known each other since i, I can't remember maybe like five when we were five or six years old like it, like basically when i moved to canada uh, and we've watched each other grow, um, when we were younger, uh, what was your sport of choice? Basketball for sure. Yeah. yeah. Don't let his, uh, don't let his, uh, bald head and appearance <laughs> fooling Fanny was like a ball star when we were young. Once so upon a time, yeah. Do you think you yeah. still got those handles? A little, oh, the handles and the shot is still there. That's like, really? yeah, my son's practice. They pick a parent to shoot at the end of practice. Yeah. Like shoot free throws. I've only missed one so far. So really? We're on a roll. So yeah. Dude, I remember when we were younger, like your handles were on like. Yeah, I was literally in the gym, like playing basketball four or five days a week, probably for like a 
10 year stretch. Like that's all I did for yeah. a long time. Like, and uh, yeah, my son's doing that now. So it's fun to watch. And then the Egyptian genetics kick in and you're like, why am I not a foot taller? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't help, man. The no. food we eat is not made for athletes. Right? No. <laughs> yeah. And the way we eat, like literally growing up, your parents made sure you stuffed yourself. Like yeah. it wasn't, okay, you're good. Like leave, not no. stuff yourself, and then you can leave. Yeah, like oh, you off the table. Yeah, and that's not really the best way to you know to watch your health and be an athlete, right? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um, okay, what is? I'll ask you some like fun questions just to the like warm us up here. Cool. cool. Uh, tell everybody a hidden talent that you have, not basketball, that uh, people wouldn't expect you to have. Interesting. I like that one. That's a good one. Um, so away from basketball, I was going to say coach you, but that's basketball. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's okay. That counts, but give us a good one. Yeah. Oh, this one's kind of cheesy, but I can whistle like super loud. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I, that's one. Um, I like to barbecue, but I don't know if people would see that, but like I enjoy barbecuing. I'm like, I only use charcoal, so it's a little bit more challenging, but it's a lot funner. Like, okay. Um, so you're good on the grill. Yeah, you can say that. Yeah. Okay, well that's good. And you, you got you like, like start fires and do the thing. Yeah. So my follow up question is, if we put you in the wilderness for a week, could you survive? Yeah, that's no problem. R- oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, that's no problem. A little okay. bit of weed and I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by wilderness, I mean my backyard. Oh yeah. Oh, if your backyard, that's no problem at all. But. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 very resourceful, man. Like I'm the kind of guy that's gonna find a way. Yeah. Not necessarily look up a way. Like I'm just gonna figure it out. Yeah. Think um, until you make it. What? Yeah, something like that, right? Like yeah. keep going until you find it, right? Like um. So yeah, I'll, I'll find a way to survive. Like that. That's not a problem. A week is not a long time. No, really. Oh, might wow. be it. Might be a nice little break from the real world. Dude, I'd be dead in like 48 hours. <laughs> I'd be hungry and dead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay, but from what kind of student were you in high school? High school, be honest, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, I was, I was not a good student, like, I, I didn't study very much. We had a group of probably like 10 or 12 of us who thought we were something we weren't as kids, like, yeah. we thought we were, um, Gangsters. You know, yeah, you could yeah. say that, like, yeah. but it was like a joke, like, it wasn't real. The problem is. I think in our last or second last year of high school, we met another group of people who had just come to our school. Right. And they were a little more gangster than we thought we were. Yeah. So now we're like, okay, we got gangsters now. Yeah. Let's go now. So, so that just made things worse. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't study very hard in school. I enjoyed it. I was on like every sports team. Uh, I was cool with everybody, like from the people that, you know, you wouldn't talk to or normally you wouldn't talk to. Like I was cool with them. I was cool with everybody. So no, high school was awesome. Um, in my last year, I went back like first day of school and they basically said, I was looking for my name on all of like the attendance lists and my name wasn't there. So I went to the office and they're like, yeah, you know, well, I don't think we want you back this year. Like, what? Like it's the first day of school. I'm ready to study. And like, what if I'm a changed man? Like you don't know that what happened this summer, right? And basically they picked two of us out of that group that were really close to finishing. Man. And they found a spot for us at Arendelle. So I was at John Fraser and they found a spot for us at Arendelle. So at first it was like, man, you're kicking me out. But really, I guess they picked the two people that had the best chance of you know, surviving. finishing, surviving yeah. on their own or away from here. So 
So I went to Arendelle, a different school for my last year, which was good. Again, I kind of got away from that and got to experience something a little bit different. Right. Um, so that was fun. I played basketball there too. They had, they had a pretty good basketball team. We made a nice run. Uh, so yeah, high school was great, man. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Did, so what happens after high school? So because I didn't study hard enough, boys and girls, oh, I ended up going to college. Um, I always not that there's anything wrong with college. Not at all. Oh, I, not at all. Honestly, yeah. I learned a ton. Like I went to Humber. And I always knew I, I wanted to go to university after, but at Humber, you know, uh, like Besson was saying, the amount I learned was way more than I would have imagined. And it was like real world stuff. So it was great. Uh, I did two diplomas there and I ended up going to university after. I always wanted to go away for school, want to kind of be on my own and, and learn how to live on my own. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was uh, a joint program that Humber had with the school in Michigan, Northwood. It was a business school. So I ended up going out there for two years, I believe, to finish my degree. And for me, that was awesome, man. Like the amount I learned living by myself. Oh. Up until then, you know, my parents were, my mom was doing my laundry. And I like, so I had to do all that stuff on my own. So just, you know, growing as a man, as a person. Yeah. Uh, that was huge for me. Dude, my dad. So I, uh, I had a very similar story, but, uh, you know, most Egyptian parents are like, don't go away for school, like stay at home and I'll buy you a car. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they don't so, tell you it's a 89 Corolla. Yeah, it's actually my old car. Yeah, I'm gonna get you driving. Yeah. I'm buying me one. It's like, no, it's already here. <laughs> You've been driving it for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's Ryerson for my first two years, um, and then I transferred into Western. And my parents and like even the priests in our church were like, "Don't, don't, uh, don't go away from school." And I'm like, like. Half that noise, I'm yeah. going away. I need yeah. to get out of here. That's exactly what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> say no. Yeah. I mean, yes. And and the minute I got there, I, I like my dad was like, "Okay, you're gonna do this, like, like full independence." Yeah. yeah. So just dropped you off. Yeah. and Turned around. <laughs> Actually, it was like that. He dropped me off, and I had to find a place on my own. And I was like, I so I ended up living like the worst. Like for the first six months, I I was like, it was like garbage. He did, I, I had to go, I, like, I'd be going there, I'm like, where am I going to sleep? I'm like, I have to buy a mattress. And then, like, the ne the weekends of all my clean laundry, and I'm like, now I need to do laundry. I got to feed myself. Like, yeah. like it was, it, dude, like, the learning, the, the non-educational learning that ended up happening, it, like, grows you up. You end up becoming, a, like, a, a grown-up, a real man or a real woman, depending, like, like, through that process so For sure and i love how your dad dropped you off like a lot of parents would be like okay come and, and they'll guide you and but your dad was like all right you want to do it go do it yeah like, and that's the best way to learn and that's one thing i've realized obviously raising my son is like you know you want to protect them and you want to guide them and be kind of like a helicopter dad they call it and yeah. like that's naturally how i am but I quickly realized, like, this is not good for him, right? Like, no. he's got to do it on his own. He's got to learn on his own. So that's really cool that he just said, all right, go. Yeah. He, I, I, he's like, you're on it for the rest of today. Yeah. And, yeah, and then, yeah. Like, ask him what you want now. Yeah, your mom and I were, my mom didn't even come. I yeah. don't think in my, my time at Western, my mom ever showed up. Never even got. No, I was just like, why? And then I'm sure as soon as he left. Oh, she came for graduation. For graduation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure as soon as he left, you were like, uh, or maybe the next day, you were like, Very not necessarily, right? Like. This is not what I, but you quickly had to turn it on. Right? Like, Very scary. Yeah. There's two times in my life that happened, like when I went to Western and then I did an exchange in Europe and I didn't plan properly then. And I, similar situation, except I, I landed on a Sunday and in Belgium where I went, 
the world is shut down on Sundays. Like there's nothing. Like the cabs don't even work. Yeah. Right. So I was like, I basically slept in the airport for yeah, you figured yeah, like a homeless. Okay, so you go you go to Northwood yeah. uh, and you come back and what's happening? So I came back. I want to say that was around 2009 or something like that. Uh, got a job at TD. Sorry, I got a job at Bell. I was at Bell Mobility, like in the call center. And I saw these job postings for TD. It was TD Insurance. Again, in their call center. The cool part was they only, the main thing they were looking for was call center experience. Mm -hmm. The insurance stuff they were going to teach. Correct. So for me, I'm like, great, I'm in a call center. Let's apply. And I got into there, which was awesome. So I was working in the call center, you know, customer service for, for home and auto insurance for TD. And I honestly enjoyed that because you're speaking to the client directly, right? Like, and you're really understanding what they like, what they don't like, what bothers them, all of these things that you never would if you were in another position in the insurance company, like kind of behind the scenes. Right. Uh, so I learned a ton just about customers and who they were. Eventually, I was like, yeah, the call center is not really my favorite place to be. I, uh, I hooked up with a recruiter to try to get, you know, somewhere else in the insurance industry to kind of explore what else is out there. Right. Um, ended up landing a job at a brokerage. And that's where I met kind of my mentor, uh, you know, really young dude. He started in the brokerage as a sales guy, moved his way up, eventually owned the place. Uh, and now he's been running it for many years, you know, very successfully. Just to throw it in, you know, uh, Neil at, at the Shepherd Group, uh, shout out to Neil, you know, no high school education. Just a hustler, just a, a grinder. And I think when I saw that, it really opened up my eyes to one, what insurance can be, like the opportunities in insurance. And two is if you grind, like if you wake up and work towards something and, and stay consistent with it, you know, the possibilities are endless. So, you know, he not only showed me insurance, but he showed me just business and, and you know, entrepreneurship and what you have to do to be successful. Out there. Yeah, like he, he grew you up. Right. Sure. And everybody needs a mentor. Like, I don't care if you have higher education or if you like, you basically like work your way up from like, entry level positions. Like there's all in everybody's story. It's that, that parental figure, like your business parent that looks out for you, right? Like you need that to grow. hundred percent. You know, Neil has a mentor today. Mm -hmm. He has a business coach that yeah. guides him today. And that's a successful entrepreneur already, right? Entrepreneurship and just like being successful in general is not a solo mission. It, it never is. Um, you need to find the people like your, your team or your, your like group that helps you elevate, but you also have to be able to give that back. For right? sure. Like you can't just take and not give. For sure. No, hundred percent. And I think, you know, with us, when, when we first kind of started, I felt that with you, it was like, Hey fatty, once we, we got to start rolling, it was like, man, you got an opportunity here. You take it and run, right? Yeah. Like, I'll help you, but this is, you got to take it and run. You know what I mean? So like, I yeah, did. for sure. And for did. sure, for sure. And without you showing me that, or even like, you know, giving me that confidence or showing me that opportunity, I may not. Right. So yeah, I think it's, it's a mix of both, right? Like you need somebody to mentor you and, and show you the ropes, totally. but you also have to have that little bit of a drive and a push to go get it. Right. Like yeah. no one's going to give it to you. No, 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 no. And if you're expecting that, like, just don't bother. Okay, so you've you you've found your mentor. You're now in a better spot. But what's next? What happens next? Yeah, I think through working now at a brokerage, we were dealing with you know different insurance companies, and you're seeing kind of the other side. Whereas TD, you were the insurance company, 
-hmm. So you weren't dealing with anybody else. Where at the broker world, you're now dealing with other companies, other underwriters, and you're understanding a little bit more of how the industry goes. Right. Uh, so I saw an opportunity at Aviva as to be an underwriter. And basically now I'm not selling insurance anymore. I'm on the company side, basically looking through those quotes that come in or the submissions that come in and pricing them, you know, determining if we even want to insure them or not. So for me, that was a really good opportunity as opposed to being in the brokerage. And it was almost like the next level or step towards that career, kind of continuing to push that career. So I got a job with Aviva, was there for uh, a couple of years. It was in a call center, which again, isn't the, the best place for me. I don't enjoy being in a call center, but it was a really good job. You know, you were still an underwriter and now you're dealing with brokers. So when I was a broker, I was calling into that call center to get advice or to get help on certain things. Now I was on the other side. So it really helped me understand both sides and kind of what everyone is going through, which, which was awesome. Um, eventually, you know, through this whole thing, I had a goal after seeing kind of the brokerage and my mentor to build up a book of business and eventually sell it. And that was something that, you know, coworkers at Aviva would tell you, uh, friends of mine would tell you like literally 10 or 12 years ago, I remember telling one of my friends that I'm going to build up a book of business and eventually sell it. So I always kind of had that in the back of my mind that I, I would end up, you know, going back to the broker world right. when the time was right. right. And then, so then that moment happens. Yeah. So uh, that was 2015, I believe. I felt like it was time. I had left Aviva for one or two other kind of commercial underwriting jobs. Um, really cool story. I'll tell you at Aviva, you know, I think you know me very well in terms of like faith and, and how much we believe things are kind of you know, meant to be. And of if, if you work hard enough and you're honest enough, those things will automatically work themselves out. Like, so I was trying to get a job. I was in uh, Aviva Personal Lines Underwriting and I was trying to get a job into their commercial side so I can start to learn commercial. And I was in this call center, Bessem, and I was literally showing up every day in a suit. Like my manager was wearing khakis and running shoes. Right. And I was in a full suit, like every day. And the reason that was, again, going back to Neil, he had always told me, like, dress for the job that you want, not the job that you're at now. Um, so I, I was in there, like, working towards more. I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to continue to push and, and kind of progress. Got an interview for a commercial job in uh, in Scarborough. At the time, my office, the Viva office was in Scarborough. Got an interview. I didn't get it. And I was like, what? this doesn't make sense, right? Like, I've been here in a suit every day. I'm grinding. Everybody knows that that's what I want. Yeah. Even managers spoke to other managers and I didn't get the job. And, uh, you know, I was a little disappointed, but eventually about two months later or something like that, there was an opportunity that opened up for a commercial job in Mississauga. And at the time I had lived in Mississauga. Um, you know, I applied for the job. It was a much lower commercial job. So, for example, I was a senior personal lines underwriter. That was an underwriting assistant for commercial. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, the title is like, well, you're going down to an assistant. The cool part was... Number one, I got to be in a larger commercial office. Right. So I was learning a lot more than I would have if I was in Scarborough. Mm -hmm. Number two, I didn't have to commute. Like I was literally in my house before 4.30, right? Like right. where I was commuting from Scarborough every day. Back when people had to go to office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you guys remember those days, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just got a way better opportunity for, for something that, you know, I had to be a little more patient towards. And from that day, I told myself, like, I will never question God's plans for me. Like, sure, you can be upset and you can be disappointed, 
but don't ever question, don't ever ask why, right? Yeah. Because that's not in your hands, the why, right? So, um, so yeah, so that was just a, a little neat story that helped me. And, and we'll get to this point, but in, in today's journey, helped me really say, you know what, man? You don't get to decide how this goes or ends. Yeah. You work towards it, you plan it, and you wish for it and pray for it. But at the end of the day, that's in someone else's hands, right? It's, my my mom, who you know well, obviously, is she like ingrained this in me when I was younger. It's like um, when I used to ask why or that's not fair and like things wouldn't go my way. She's like, do your best, leave the rest up to God. And then if I would complain, she'd be like, did you do your best? And I'd be like, uh, yes, no, you have to be honest yeah. with yourself about that answer. Yeah. And it's like the things that God keeps away from you even though you might think you want them versus the things that he gives you that you never knew you needed, uh, like that's higher power. Sure. Right. And that's sure. back to you, like faith, for right? Sure. Like for faith sure. is big. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, that's really important for us, man, the way we grew up, the way we were raised. And till today, when I look at where we are in terms of our faith and our culture, like we're very lucky to have something that continues to keep us together like i like to call it the glue yeah so like you know on a, on a team you're the glue guy and you're keeping everything together like sure. um so we're lucky to have that community to have something where our kids can continue to grow up and yeah it, it's really cool man like on sundays i look around and i see us and all our friends that we grew up with with their children it's crazy and i'm like look like thank god not many of us have gone astray or got lost because we have something to kind of keep us and hold us together. So yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have that. And I think it's on us. And when I say us, I mean me and you. Yes. Like, um, totally. To continue that and keep that going. Because if you notice, for example, at like, uh, you know, your family parties and family events, if you go back 15 years, you guys were the little kids running around. Yeah. You go back five or 10 years, you know, there was a couple other little kids and you guys were a little older. Now you're in high school, so you're not the little kids. Yeah. You go back now and now you have... You know, your children. My kids. All right. These are the shit. Right? They're the little the shits, shits running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and now you have the elderly who are like really elderly. Yeah. So when you see that cycle, you realize that like eventually we're going to be that elderly. Mm -hmm. And someone else is going to have to kind of take over and, and play that role. So I kind of see that in the church the same way. Like oh, we're right. moving into that role of if we don't do this, no one else is going to. Like it's now on us. That if not like definitely in church, but just in broader life. Like uh, when I was 20, I thought I wanted to change the world, but the world wouldn't listen, right? Like I'm, I'm too young, I'm too inexperienced, right? When I was 30, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get the experience, but I, I'm, I know enough to know that it's not my time yet, yeah, yeah, right? Now that way, like I'm in my late 30s, we're starting to push 40s. I'm just like, oh, like the world is looking at us to do whatever it is that we expect or the things that we're like, I wish I, when I was in power, when I, when I have this, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to change this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be this kind of person. It's like, okay, well, like now is the time for us, you know, like it is our responsibility to be the leaders in our specific communities, whether it's a church or whatever religion. Even family. Yeah. Like, uh, like, and in our families, it's like, it's your house that probably has the family gatherings now. Sure. You know, like, and in your work life, you're the leader, right? Like, so, but actually, that's a good transition. But let's talk about you starting the business. So we now understand, like, the road you've taken to get to where you were. And it's it's actually, it's a pretty amazing road because, like, 
not for nothing, but like everybody makes bad decisions at points in their life, myself included. I wasn't the best kid in high school and I paid for it and trying to get into the universities I wanted to get into. Sure. Very similar story. Probably when we were friends when we were yeah. younger. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we got along yeah. so well. Yeah. Um, now you get to the point. And so tell me about like, okay, I'm like starting the business. Um, and then what happened? Because I want to get to the, to the exit. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So again, I had this goal the entire time of eventually building up a book of business. So from underwriting, I was picking a brokerage that I could go to. I could be a sales guy. I could build up a book. And I would have ownership of it. Obviously, you could go anywhere and be a sales guy and get paid. That's easy. Yeah. Um, but I wanted somewhere to have ownership. For clarity, when you say be a broker and have a book of business, you mean that you're going to go out and get the clients and they are technically under your name. You got that. You own that piece of business. You got it. That's exactly. just for, for everybody to understand what that means. Yeah, for sure. So as a broker, basically, you know, the contracts and agreements with the insurance companies are with the brokerage. Mm -hmm. So depending on that brokerage, they have those contracts. You as an individual broker don't have those contracts. Got it. So you can't go and just start placing business. You got to do it through the brokerage. So through the brokerage, you start to build up your own client base and mm -hmm. that's your book of business right. that you kind of continue to grow. So I was looking for a home to start that, to start growing that. Um, and, you know, met many different people. There was many offering, you know, salary and, and vacation, et cetera, et cetera. And I knew that for me, I would rather go the other route of, you know, straight commission and just start grinding it and building it up for ownership. The return was you'll have ownership it is. Uh, because I knew where I was headed, right? Like I, I knew this wasn't just about money. I knew I was going to build a, a larger book. So I started that in uh, with all risks so all risks is a franchise and they probably have 50 or 60 different offices across ontario so i started working under an all risks branch as a sales guy was there for about three years and i think that's when me and you kind of started i i clearly remember i called you on uh, on a property that you had with omega and i was just asking like you know let's call SM and see you know if he needs insurance this is what i'm doing now let me let him know and you had sent me a condo it was like a rented condo or something and honestly, man, like what I made on that was pennies, yeah. like 30 bucks, yeah. literally. And when you call me about cannabis, I, that's when I was like, man, like that one phone call that I made where some people might look at it as a waste of time in terms of the work that you did for that business. Right. But I knew that making that call might, you know, open up way more opportunities. So that one call I made to you ended up turning into the cannabis insurance and the cannabis world. So I'm glad I made that call for insurance specifically. So. Bro, probably when you made that call, no one would take my phone calls because when you were starting your insurance business, I was, I hadn't even probably gotten into cannabis and uh, no one takes your phone call when you have, when you're doing property management for condo units. People are like, cause it's like, they're like, it's $30, bro. Yeah, I don't yeah, want, exactly. I don't need this headache exactly. for 30 bucks. Um, but then, as somebody like me, I remember the people that take those phone calls. You know, I remember the the guys that or the people that helped me when I was not worth helping or potentially not worth helping and took a risk on me. And then of course, like when I'm now I have a bigger piece of business where I can write you, you know, a few thousand dollars a month in insurance checks, I'm like, why would I give it to anybody? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And that loyalty obviously is huge. And um so yeah, that, that first call I made to you really, uh, you know, made me realize that any little thing that you do can come back to you tenfold, right? Like, totally. And you can't look at 
every act that you do, like, okay, I need a reward from this, or what am I benefiting from this? Yeah. It doesn't work like that, right? If you help someone, or if you, you know, work together and then and achieve something together, it's gonna come back one way or another. And I've honestly carried that throughout everything that I do, man. Like, I have people call me like, oh, I don't know if it's worth it. It's like, hold on a second, right? I'll decide that first of all. Right. And second of all, if it's worth it, not necessarily financially, because most people these days look at it just from a financial perspective. And for me, that's one of the last things I look at, man. And I think, I think that's why I've gone to where I am because I'm not chasing. Like there's, there's no number out there where I'm like, yeah, I got to go get that. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of jump into that when, when we get into the actual brokerage. So where am I at? I'm at all risks, you know, starting to do cannabis, starting to, to really build that book of business. So I was there for four years, I believe, uh, as a sales guy. And I'm like, okay, I, th I think it's time for me now to start looking at, you know, what's next? I'm mm -hmm. a sales guy. I got a book of business. The easiest route for me to open up my own, you know, brokerage or shop was open up a franchise of all risks because okay. I was already in their system, et cetera. So in March, I believe of 2020, and then around that time, uh, fresh kind of COVID times, um, I opened up my own branch in Air Mills in Mississauga. Really cool part is I grew up in Air Mills. Right. So for me to come back and open an office literally down the street from where my parents still live, um, really felt like, you know, it's my home, it's my community. So it was it was neat just how that works. Uh, I actually had a, a lease in Port Credit really close to signing. And sure enough, they looked up that I was a cannabis insurance broker. And I guess they saw this picture of like a bunch of people sitting in an office smoking weed. And it's like, uh, no, I, that's how I'm going to pay your rent, like by selling insurance. Yeah, we, we save our weed smoking yeah, yeah, after, yeah, yeah. after six o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we lost out on that lease. Like we, we were really close to signing it and we lost out on it. And again, I think that was another example of that's not for you. Yeah, it's and, and honestly, Basso, like I immediately, when we lost that lease, I was like, okay, that's not for me. Yeah. And I was already pretty invested. Like we had a down payment ready. And, but I, again, from those other kind of teachings, I realized that, you know what, there's something else. This one isn't for me. Let's move on. Right. right. So, uh, so open up that branch and again, just kind of building it. You know, we brought on one or two sales guys, brought on some employees to, uh, to, to really start to build it up. So it was about three years. So that was 2020, and now we're in 20, 2023. Yeah. Uh, so three years. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're, yeah. Now we're getting into the. Why are you on this body? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, in when I was opening up that branch, pretty crazy story. So I'm opening up there, starting to talk about opening up that branch with the existing owner of the uh, Streetsville branch that I worked at, mm -hmm. and we were looking at either I'll go open it up on my own, or we'll do some kind of partnership and grow it, etc. Uh, at that same time, I was interviewing for a job with uh, Hub International, the brokerage that I'm at now, to basically run their cannabis sales division, to be like a, an executive in their sales division. Right. And literally, like I was interviewing and kind of starting to talk about opening my own branch. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Like, what if you get the job? Are you going to drop this? Right. Or what are you going to kind of do? I, I was leaning towards my own branch just for the freedom. Mm -hmm. But the money on the other side and being an executive was pretty tempting too. Right. I didn't get the job, needless to say. I was really close, but I literally saved the guy's business card. Like, I, I wish I brought it today. I still have it at home. And I told myself, I'm going to call this guy in 10 years and hopefully they'll buy it off. Like, they're, they don't want me to help? No problem. Yeah. I'll keep building it up. Pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The price goes up. Yeah. Like, um, 
And, and that's exactly what I did, man. It, it wasn't 10 years later. It was only three years later. Um, but I, I called them up. And, and that same week that I called them, I had run into somebody else from their company. And, and they had a conversation about me joining them as well to, to get on board with them. So that those talks started in May of last year, May of 2022 mm-hmm. um, is when we first sat down. We had kind of, you know, went back and forth, decided on everything by like September. Everything was pretty much decided. Um, but we didn't sign off until May of this year, which was pretty crazy. Like that's a long time yeah. to kind of be in limbo. And it wasn't for any real reason. Like it wasn't an issue. There was just so many different pieces kind of moving. Right. Um, really cool. So when did we sign to close? We signed on May 1st, which is St. George's Feast. Um, and if anybody knows me, I carry this chain everywhere I go with St. George on it, um, who's, who kind of protects me and, and guides me through. So we signed the paperwork on the day of his feast, which was for me, just another sign. Like, yeah, this is right. what's supposed yeah. to be. And like, this feels right. It's right? amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So you have now had a successful exit. Congrats, by thank the way. You, thank you. Massive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and by the way, that's mainly due to weed. Like that's, that's from cannabis. Like, uh, the main reason to have wanted me on their team was because I specialized in cannabis and they wanted somebody to really go out there and push and, and, you know, that, that can represent them in that space. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was doing all of these events and marketing and stuff on my own. Right. So to have somebody behind me to push me and encourage me to do that, yeah. that's what I needed, right? So now you got a marketing budget. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have to pay for that bus. So there you change go. It yourself. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, um, so yeah, it, it just makes so much sense to to join them, and um, and yeah, we just joined them on September first is when we actually closed. So it's been you know month and a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy ride, man. My head's still spinning a little bit, like yeah. because the last year has been kind of you know I wouldn't say hectic, but there was question marks and there was things that you're trying to do while you're maintaining your current business, and uh, so it wasn't easy. It's still not easy. Like we're still going through some challenges, you know, as we transition. For sure. Um, but I know at the end of this, I'm gonna you know be where I want to be, and more than that, I'm gonna have the opportunities that. Uh, I did this for in order to to get those chances. I mean, like if this isn't a perfect example of of like never giving up and like persevering through, like how many times in your story did you tell us that somebody said no to you or that you thought you were the hardest, best qualified person for a job and it didn't happen, and like you come this roundabout way and you get the job that you want, you got paid an exit bonus to start a job that you wanted in the first place. Um, and now you have financial freedom and you're well-respected and like, it like just bravo, man. Like it, it's, it's amazing. And I, I appreciate it. And yeah, happy I think for you. Oh, thanks. Man. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. I, I think the big thing for me is school out 11 or 12 years ago. Yeah. And I still had seven years left. Like I wasn't done finishing the plan, but before realizing it, man, like, you know, a lot of my friends have told me like, bro, you've been at this a long time, right? Like before realizing it, I've been at this one goal a really long time. Yeah. I've broken down into little steps or phases, but it's been the same goal for the last 11, 12 years, right? Okay. So when I'll, I'll speak from my experience for a second, when I sold TerraSign or I exited TerraSign, um, huge high. You know, like, like it was like an amazing experience. Uh, it, it was 
like you built a baby and then you, you like it grows past what you can do for it or whatever it is. And then I sell it. And for the first little while I was on cloud nine and then came the like, what's next depression, right? Like you like, now, now what, right? It's fortunately it doesn't seem like you have that because you've kind of like, like you baked in your next, your next move into your last move, which is genius. Uh, but what's the end game? Yeah, I think, no, I think there's definitely a form of that, right? Best I'm like, because I'm still in the business and still managing my business, it's not, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm picking my nose, I guess, and yeah. doing nothing. Like I still have to be there every day and, and manage the business, but there is a sense of that, like, okay, now what, right? Yeah. Like, I've done that. I've been working for that for 12 years. Like now what's your next goal? So yeah, I think for me, for the next 12 months at least, uh, to, to be at Hub is really just to get comfortable mm -hmm. um, and then really understand how they do things. But beyond that, yeah, I, I my goal with Hub is to work so hard that they they offer me a job. Like just grind and grind right. until they come and say, we want you to do this. We want to pay you to do this. Right. Um, and I think if I do that, I'll, I'll be just fine, right? Like. The other cool thing, and we're here talking about entrepreneurship, is now with you know that exit money that that you call it, now I could start looking into other things and start exploring and really turn on that kind of entrepreneurial spirit right. uh, away from insurance, right? right. Like I can really start to play, and I think you know somebody else that I really have to shout out um, that showed me kind of those ropes is Peter Peter Awat. Oh yeah, uh, you know him very well. He's gonna come on this show. Yeah, I, yeah, that's gonna be tough to get him on here, I think. But um, <laughs> Peter's a really quiet guy, I guess, behind the scenes. But Peter's the type of guy, man, that he showed me a whole other world, and like, you know, not in a way that's like, okay, well, you know, give me your money, I'll invest it. Like, no, it was, hey, you can do this. You're you're capable of this. Do you know this is an option? Certain things. I'm like, I just saw Peter a few weeks ago at a wedding and he literally said like, man, I'm, I was thanking him. Yeah. And he said, I'm glad that God used me to do that. Yeah. Like that's the kind of guy he is. He's a good dude. Right? Like he's genuinely a guy that wants to see the people around him succeed. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. To have people like that around is huge. So yeah, so hooking up with somebody like that, you know, you get different calls and like, Hey, what do you think about this? Do you want it on this? Right. And totally. things that you would never have the opportunity to do. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to, to be able to kind of play around a little bit, take oh, yeah. more risks, take more chances. Cause that's, you know, I always said that when you, when you have that feeling of like, Oh, I don't know if I should do that. That scared. It's like, that's the one that you probably should do. Right. That's where the growth is. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's where the reward is waiting. Right. Like, um, okay. So I, I want to, try to wrap this up with some words of wisdom. Most of the people that watch these episodes are entrepreneurs or have entrepreneurial aspirations. Uh, something that you wish you knew when you started that you know now that you want to tell the world. Man, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll probably take, take a second to just kind of think about that. But I think the biggest piece for me at least was you know, just wake up and grind. Like, and I know that sounds really simple, right? Like, yeah, okay, wake up and work. It's like, yeah. but no, there, there's a difference between, you know, having a goal and grinding and just working or, you know, chasing money. And I think for me, you know, that exit strategy, I never had a dollar amount, even the 10 years. I never had a number at the end of the 10 years. Right. So it's not like I fell short or I, I just woke up and grinded every day. And I think, 
if you do that, if you find something obviously that you enjoy and that, that helped me because, you know, I always tell people I've been studying cannabis for 25 years. Like, um, so, so having something like that, that I actually cared about and enjoyed, I was, I was you know, way more willing to get up for it. Like I was at these conferences downtown at 7am and I was there all day, just like handing out cards to random people, people who I knew would never call me, Right. but I was giving them my card. I was speaking to them. And literally like two or three years later, I would get a call from like Washington. Some dude in Washington was like, Hey, we need insurance for a company coming into Canada. Like, so I think grinding obviously with a purpose, with a goal, but at the end of the day, if you, if you get up and focus on what you do and believe it, like you have to believe that it's going to happen because there's days that are going to tell you it's not going to happen. And and those are the days when you're like, well, is this really going to happen? Right. So, yeah. So just having that belief in yourself, like your, your abilities, again, I, I put this goal out 10 or 12 years ago. So imagine how much I've grown and learned in those 10 or 12 years. I would never be able to do that eight years ago. You know what I mean? Like you have to go through all of those steps. So yeah, I, I think grinding, obviously being patient, like timing is everything, man. And again, we said this earlier, but you don't decide your timing. You can decide how hard you work, right? You can decide what time you wake up. So yeah, focus on those things that you can really control and and go get it, man. Like seeing different people, especially in our community, right? Seeing what you've done and what you're doing, not what you've done, what you're doing today, it really should be, you know, assigned to everybody that if you get up and grind and you do the right things and, and you respect the right people, you can accomplish many different things, right? Respect everybody. Yeah. Very, so you never know. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, listen, man, thank you so much for being here with me today and for sharing your story. Like this is, it's, it's such invaluable information and like putting this on record, it, it helps us and it helps our community at large. Um, so I really appreciate your time and I wish you obviously nothing but success. You're my brother and like, um, I can't wait to see what you do over the next 10 years. Habibi, man. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And yeah, looking forward to, to our kids growing up together over the next oh, 10 yeah. years. They already are, yeah. <laughs> That's another episode of the Basim Hanna podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to all the entrepreneurs out there. Um, we're with you and we're here to help. Uh, if you like the episode, please like and subscribe. That's great for us. It helps us. Um, for more information and for more episodes of the podcast, you can check out basimhanna.com. That's B-A-S-E-M-H-A-N-N-A.com. And we're all on all the social platforms as well.